deal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart, he said, will be also. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your words, alive in our hearts and minds. I pray, Lord, for the right perspectives and ideas in life. I thank you, Father, for the blessing of the Lord in this church. I thank you for increasing us. I thank you, Father, for tests that you have ordained for us to pass. And I thank you that you grade on the curve. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Now, I started off my series here by just telling you about my, my story. You know, May 16th, 1998, I'd rededicated my life. My mom and dad had the audacity to kick me out of the house. They said, you stop this sinning or you have to leave. And they wouldn't let me take the pickup. Where was I supposed to go? I started thinking about it, and suddenly I felt a conviction like, I got to serve the Lord. So I did that. I stuck with him. I went to the Laurel Golf Club where I was working. And that day, I got the most tips I've ever got at working there. I mean, I had $35 in tips. A good day for a Laurel High School student would be five or 10 bucks, but I got $35 in tips. I took it as a sign that the Lord was with me, that he was going to bless me. Now, I'm in this mini-series here about how the Lord uh, will use money uh, to test you, all right? M- m- the, nothing tests your character like money. And I'm, I'm using personal examples Things that are personal to me, and I'm sure there are things that are personal to you in certain situations. Now, you know, it, it's a funny thing about, uh, about money, because it, it, it can be so sneaky and, and testing. And in, in the Bible, 10 is the number of testing. This is what I was saying. Daniel was tested 10 days, and then the church of Smyrna in Revelation 2 and verse 10 was tested 10 days. So, you know, I, I've had some of these you know, tests that come up. And by the way, I don't know if you've kept up with the news. I was just listening to the news this morning. They said, they had a, a, a treasury secretary who used to work uh, under the Bush administration. And he said that never in his life has he seen a moment like this. He said the next 18 months are going to be very interesting to see where the U.S. economy goes. If it's going to be a prolonged state of, of a recession or if well, of a soft land. No one knows. It's just, it's, it's like we're in this moment in America of, of, of real potential for testing. So, I'm I'm very curious to see how things play out. Um, I'm going to highlight, you know, these tests that I start off. So on on the sheet there, you know, I've got the 10 tests and I'm starting off with a a recap here. So the first thing we talked about was how trust is a test. All right. And and the Lord, he he challenged me uh, to trust that God is going to take care of me no matter what. So trust is a test. Tithing, we said, is a test. You give God your first, you give him your best, and, and he will bless the rest of it. That is a great test that people have to walk through. Is God going to be faithful to them when you honor him? We talked about the test of wealth. You cannot serve God and money. And I know people who are caught up in a pursuit after money in the world, and, and it will take them nowhere. Uh, we talked about how honesty is a test. You have to make decisions that are honest and ethical in your life if you want God to bless you. And then about the mercy of God. How are you going to treat people who wrong you and treat you poorly? Because that is a thing. That does happen. And it's just something people go through. So these were tests that I have to walk through. Now, I want to cover the next five here. And the sixth test that I want to highlight is Hebrews 13 and verse 5. So Hebrews, the 13th chapter. I'm going to stay here in this verse for the next two points here. But be without covetousness. Someone say covetousness. Hmm. Be your conduct be without covetousness and be content with the things that you have. Now, as I read the verse here, and I read about conduct and covetousness, you know what came to me? It had to do with emotions. You want to talk about tests you go through? 
is how you handle emotions and money. The emotional side of money management is a test. Because emotions operate through something we like to call impulses. And impulses can be a major problem for people. Impulsive behavior gets people really out of sorts in life. Managing your money and managing your emotions requires discernment. It requires patience. It requires that you have wisdom in handling money. And so when you're faced with a dilemma, sometimes you have to ask the question, what is driving this decision? What is in me that's driving a desire for, for this, this purchase or these things to plant in my life? And I've had to ask myself that question. I found out in my 20s that, you know, sometimes emotional you know, turmoil you go through, emotional things or, or, or financial situations that you feel angst about, they, they could be, your emotions could be solved and, and simply by going to TJ Maxx and buying some cool kicks or a little jacket, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you feel good about that little purchase you made. I was like, you know what, I, I feel good. But the problem is, as you age in life, your purchases get bigger. So before you know it, you're buying homes and you're thinking about boats and you've got vacation plans. And so things change a little bit. And, you know, I, this last year, you know, we, a couple years ago, Elizabeth and I, we took credit card points and we were saving for a trip and we decided to cash them in and we bought a little pop-up camper. And, and so we got, got in a camping kick. We, we decided it was a great way to create memories with the kids. You know, they're in that season of life. And, and so I was thinking about the kids. Now, I, you, you might, I don't know if you know fully what happened to me in that time. We bought the pop-up camper. I was pretty happy with that pop-up camper. I've got good memories of it. We went to Woodbine on a beautiful Memorial weekend. Fantastic trip. But my wife is afraid of bears. <laughs> so then we went on another trip a few weeks later, and there was a terrible windstorm, and that pop-up camper just about blew over. And after that awful night, Elizabeth was like, I ain't doing this no more. I don't know. You, know, you get impulsive, and you get your emotions stirred up. So we went down over to Brett's RV in the middle of the COVID thing when campers cost too much money. And we got ourselves a camper. Because it was all that my Ford Flex could pull at the time. And um, I remember, yeah, I had a pretty manageable payment. But you know the problem with, the problem with campers and payments? They, those jokers will get you on a 10-year payment plan for a camper. Do you want to pay on a camper for 10 years? So my emotions really started stirring up. And, and I was like, I don't know. So then I think after that camper, when I said, I can't do this, I hate these payments. I think I found an old 1979 Fleetwood camper that needed a renovation. I thought, that's great. I'll buy it. It's paid cash. No problem, right? Well, you know, I'm already remodeling a house at that time. Why would I remodel a camper? <laughs> I mean, that kind of kicked in. I was thinking, this is crazy. And you know, that was, again, in the COVID craze, I got that camper unloaded pretty quickly, praise God. <laughs> People were buying campers like crazy. And finally, in October, I found a, a, a Prowler 2006. Perfect for our family. Better fridge, double axle. Everything's great. I went out to Butte and bought it. And, I, I, and so people at church were starting to ask me, like, how many campers do you have? I had, like, little kids coming up to me. Which one is that? I've lost track about it. And, you know, I, I had to kind of take inventory of my emotions. I had to ask the question, what is driving me on this? So, you know, I wanted to provide opportunities for my family. Um, I wanted to be a good steward. And I, I think I felt the need to prove that I was being wise with money because I might have got too preoccupied and caught up with what people think. And I was a little worried, you know, they, they, about their criticisms or the perceptions people might have. And, you know, you, you might be too preoccupied with people yourself. That might be the reason you're miserable and frustrated. It could be the reason you're broke too. 
Because, you know, you're trying to keep up with people and you're trying to manage how emotions work in your life. And, and I, so when it comes to money, man, you've got to find a way to manage those emotions. You might be pre, too preoccupied with how a purchase makes you feel. Man, I meet people like this all the time because they want something and then they get a high from buying it. And, 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 but, you know, the problem is it doesn't last, does it? I mean, you purchase something and you feel good for about three weeks and then buyer's remorse kicks in. And you realize you should not be paying 10 years on a camper payment. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I tell you what, I'm super happy with where I'm at right now because I have a camper that's paid for and it, it's a better camper than the one we've had. You know, so here, here's the thing. I was going to go camping this weekend, but life got busy for us. But I don't feel the pressure to have to go camping because I don't have a payment to make on it. <laughs> yes. My emotions are, are in a better place. So when you're dealing with money, these are just things you have to deal with. Whether you are a teenager or whether you are 75, you have to know how to manage your emotions when it comes to money management. Because those emotions will take you on highs and lows and push you to do things you have no business doing. Come on, somebody. All right, now, test number seven here. I'm, I'm in the same verse, Hebrews 13. All right. He said, let your conduct be without covetousness. In other words, don't get caught up with all these things that you're pursuing after and you're desiring for. But instead, he said, be content. Someone say content. With the things that you do have. For he himself has said, this is Jesus' words, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'm not going to fear what, what people will do to me. Now, here's the seventh test. And this one deals with a little old subject I call gratitude. Contentment is a form of gratitude. And contentment produces self-control in your life. I love what 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says. I think I have it on the screen. Godliness with contentment is great gain. How often have I thought about that verse, man? Because I'm just going to tell you about the challenges in my life. I think that contentment... And gratitude has been the greatest challenge of my personal life. It is something I've had to walk through. I discovered something. I discovered I was raised spoiled. And I did not know that until I was at least in my 30s. It came as a, a wake-up moment. Now, here's what happened. My dad is a generous man. But the problem is he's from California. If you've ever met Californians, you know how those jokers are, right? <laughs> so, so dad, he was like, I'd say, Dad, I'm going to the movies. And dad, you know, I'm in high school. And so he just pulled out 20s and started handing out. I mean, he gave me 100 bucks to go to the movies in the 90s when movies didn't cost $35 a ticket. I, I don't need $100 to go to the movies as a teenager. All right, now we'd go to California every year to see family, and we'd go to Disneyland once, twice a year. So I have these perspectives about life. Now I, I haven't got to take my kids to Disneyland. I feel like I'm failing as a parent. Because we got to go every year, twice a year, you know? So... I have this sense that somehow along the way, I, I, I believe I got a warped perspective about life. And I'm telling you, to this day, it is a challenge for me to appreciate certain things. I'm just being honest. I've had to work at really, really, really being intentional about being grateful with certain things. It has not come naturally to me, but I am learning how to be content and grateful in situations. And, and uh, here's what you got to do if you want contentment. Appreciate what you do have. That's what the verse says. Be content with such things as you do have. I'm content. Because you know what? I have a great life. I, I, I have took inventory. 
I have got an amazing life. I, I got a beautiful wife who loves me. I have an amazing family. I got little kids that bring me joy. And, and, and I mean, this, I have an amazing church to get to pastor. There's no drama here. People love each other. Our life's pretty great. I get to live in the West End of Billings. There's other worse places to live. Come on, somebody. And, you know, my wife gets to work across the street to school with kids. I mean, things are pretty good. I had to just really, you know, look at things and go, you know, I have a wonderful life. And, and so here's what I, when you're, when you're applying gratitude, don't look at what you don't have. I try not to look at those things. It is so easy to get consumed and caught up with the things other people have. But what I found out, like I said earlier, they will never be enough. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 5, the eyes of a man are never satisfied. I was telling you the story a few weeks ago about Pastor's University when Pastor Larry was with the billionaire. Remember that story? And the billionaire guy, he's walking with Pastor Larry and, and he was d- d- expressing his frustrations and his disappointments and how he was depressed. And, you know, pa- Pastor Larry was like, you know, you're worth $3 billion. That beautiful yacht sitting over in the West Palm Beach Yacht Club is yours. What do you have to be sad about? And the man turned and he pointed at a bigger yacht and he said, that man has a yacht that's bigger than mine and he's worth $80 billion and I can't figure out how to get there. Now you got, a, you know, $3,000, you feel pretty good in your bank account, right? <laughs> It just tells you that people get caught up like that. It's called the love of money. And I, I think it's interesting what the writer of Ecclesiastes said. He, he, he said, the, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He, he loves abundance with increase. And the Bible calls it vanity. I'm telling you, people get caught up in pursuits in life because they don't have gratitude. They're not content in situations. And I found that having an attitude of gratitude is like the only place of contentment, all right? Gratitude answers the disappointments you have in life. I get disappointed by things. But if I stay appreciative, I get to enjoy life. I like what 1 Timothy 6.17 said. We talked about godliness being contentment is great gain. Verse 17 tells us to command people, 1 Timothy 6.17, who are rich in this life, not to trust in uncertain riches. Uh, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. I like that. You can only enjoy things when you've got contentment and gratitude. And all things. That means you can enjoy vacations. You can enjoy relationships around you. You can enjoy simple things in life. You can enjoy you know, great things, anything. You, you can enjoy stuff, campers and boats and homes. And, and you can enjoy the things that God blesses you with if you've got contentment in your life. And, and I, I've had to, you know, work my way through these things. Gratitude is what helps me enjoy things so I can have a healthy relationship with money. I'm just talking about tests that I've been through. I'm sure you have been in that situation. I'm grateful for the things that I do have. Now, <coughs> excuse me, test number eight, Proverbs chapter 27. If you want to know things about money, a great place to go is the book of Proverbs. You know, when Paul's writing there in 1 Timothy 6, he, he was telling Timothy uh, to guard the things that God had given. And that guard, the, the idea of guarding something, it relates with stewardship, which is what brings me to this verse, Proverbs 27, verse 23. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. And in the modern vernacular, we'd say, you ought to know how much money you have in your checking account, in your savings accounts. Because this is what he said, riches are not forever. And a crown does not endure all generations. Test number eight, 
has to do with stewardship. Stewardship is a test. Stewardship is overseeing, supervising, and managing the things that you do have. Ambition has become a huge part of my life. And to be honest with you, I, I want to take pride in being a good steward. It's something that, you know, I, I feel like matters in the eyes of God. When I was at Pastors University, I went to the biggest mamu of a church you have ever seen. My friend Randy Bazette at Bayside Church. I mean, that, that thing is beautiful, extraordinary, and it was paid for. They had a, a man who came and gave him $15 million to build a building. And they were laughing about it because Pastor Randy is notorious for being frugal and a steward. He preaches it. I think stewardship is such an incredible thing in your life to figure out. Because this is something I really work at. Now, my story for this about stewardship. I was at Walmart. Speaking of stewardship, Walmart. Those two go together, right? <laughs> I'm at Walmart on an early morning. That's the best time to grocery shop. That's when you beat the crowds there. I'm checking out groceries. And this is before the days when they had the Walmart app. So I'm in there checking out. And I heard a man yelling. He was yelling at the cashier. And he said, it is impossible for people today to be able to have one income and have a wife and kids stay home. I mean, he was just going off. About, you can't do it today. It's impossible. And I'm checking out, you know, my bananas and going through there. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's funny because I do it. I mean, you know, Elizabeth and I do it. Now, we did make some sacrifices to get there. We did buy a home from a hoarder. Come on, somebody. All right, that took, that took some work. I have cars that are paid for. I'm working to provide that for my kids. You know, we were in that season where we're trying to create that. So I was like sitting there, no, it can be done. It just requires that you are a steward with things. And, and, you know, there's things I strive to be a steward with, right? I try to steward my marriage. I mean, I have to tell you something. I'm not always the best at that. There's sometimes why I haven't taken date nights when I should. And so the family I have is a stewardship responsibility. Now, my mother-in-law is moving down here, and she was just telling me, I can't babysit all the time, but I was like, oh, you'll be living in our home. <laughs> Elizabeth and I will be doing some date nights in there, right, Trudy? I see her. <laughs> I try to steward things, you know? But my family, I have to have my best time for my best people. That's my kids. I need to have the capacity to be right there with them, and, and, and that's stewardship. You know what the Bible calls the ministry? A stewardship. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 9, 17, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. That means there's things you got to manage. There's things that have to be taken care of in the ministry. That's what it is. I'm sure grateful for Pastor Daniel. He's a smart man, but you know, his wife is even smarter than him when it comes to money. She was a bookkeeper. And I remember in the uh, financial meltdown, 2008, 2009, everyone's cutting back. Things are problem. And we're sitting there in my grandma's living room, you know, saving up money for a church. And Jessica says, you know, Everyone's cutting back. I think we need to cut back too, <laughs> which was great because you know what we found out it's to pay for things. And by the way, we got a building paid for. Praise God. <laughs> yes, man. God blessed it. Stewardship. Yeah. Uh, my money requires stewardship. This requires you have a budget. I love preaching to charismatic people, Pentecostals. They, they all nod about budgets, but ain't nobody got one. I'm just telling you about it, man. Pe people don't follow their budgets. It amazes me. It just means that you, you know, ha have, have, you spend less than you bring in because we just read in Proverbs 6, 24, that riches are not forever. Proverbs 27, 20, riches are not forever. In fact, one verse in Proverbs says riches can make themselves wings and disappear. That means money can go faster than it comes. Did you know that? You ever experienced that? But a budget is what helps you do that. 
See, what stewardship is, is it's diligence. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. This means that you have a disciplined approach to your finances. Right? And I try to do that, man. I'm, I'm always trying to make focused on how can I be disciplined with money, not let my emotions... Run. And the way I do it, the kids will ask me for something, and I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Budget said no. And Titus, he's looking for Mr. Budget. Where is he? I'd like to meet him. That's what he said. <laughs> Stewardship means that you're following principles. Principles help you um, guide decisions, right? So here's print, guiding principles I have when it comes to handling money. Right? First of all, I do try the best to avoid debt. I don't want to be in debt. I like to have things paid for. You know, car payments are one of the things you can have amazing payments on. And I, I've just like, I, I like to have, I, I try to pay those things off. Our banker told us when we had the building, he, told, he said, you guys are really aggressive with debt. I don't want to be in debt. That's a principle that guides decision making. When you are out of debt, whoo, you can be a blessing. That guides another principle. It's called generosity. Man, it, I'm, I want to be blessed to be a blessing. Do you know how fun it is to be able to bless people? I mean, it is the most enjoyable thing. And if you've got a principle in your heart, a value that says I can be a blessing to somebody else, man, God will bless you. It is a wonderful feeling to be in a situation like that. Uh, guiding principles, you know, uh, stewardship, avoiding debt, generosity, and by the way, compliance with the law. Yeah, I mean, it, that's, that's part of Daniel's responsibility. Stewardship, generosity, and compliance with the IRS because those guys will find you. Come on, somebody. You want to be legal in the things you're doing. These are principles. I've met people who never make their payment. They don't pay the taxes on their you know, license plates on their cars and they get tagged for. I mean, who wants to do that? I am in compliance with the law. Things. Stewardship is what saves you from poor decisions, man. It will keep you grounded. It'll keep you safe. It'll keep you out of trouble. And you need to be a steward in your life. As much as God blesses your giving, he will bless you being a steward. That doesn't mean you're stingy. It means that you know the state of your flocks and you know where you are so you can be a blessing. I remember John Osteen taught it this way. He, he said, you should learn to live at the top of the barrel. In other words, you ought to know your reserves, what you have, so you can always have money in the accounts to do things. We do that as a church. It is fun to be a blessing, and it requires stewardship. Now, number nine, ninth test here, Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going over here to the parable of the talents. You know, we were just in a series all summer about the talents. And I want to remind you, 13 of Jesus' 39 parables in some way, shape, or form address money. This one, the parable of the talents, is not necessarily about money, but we can draw financial principles from it. And I want to highlight the 21st verse where Jesus said, here's the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over what? A little bit of things. And if you do that, he said, I will make you ruler. Enter into the joy of the Lord. All right. Now, the ninth test I want to highlight, these are things I walked through, has to do with faithfulness. That's fidelity, trustworthiness. It means that you have loyalty, you're a loyal person. Stewardship is your management of money, your management of the resources you have. But faithfulness is the power of your habits. The little things you do, the little decisions you make, the little small things that you do consistently over time that will pay huge dividends. That's what a habit is. It's that little consistent thing that you do until the behavior becomes automatic, like you're not even thinking about it. Habits form good foundations, and good financial habits form good financial foundations for people. So let's talk about financial habits people have when they fall into. Some people's financial habit is to spend money. They're spenders. 
And I've met people like that. You've met people like that. Maybe you are someone like that. It's easy for them to spend money. And before you know it, you just kind of, it's just all gone disappeared. It's made itself wings because you went to TJ Maxx and got that coat. And I met people like that. Their habit is, if they get money in, the thought is, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. And those are people that really need to stay on budget. That's a habit some people have. Some people's, you know, financial habits have to do with being a saver. And I've met people like this. They get a real sense of security by putting money into the bank. That's, that's a great thing. You want to be able to do that, have resources. In fact, that's something personally, and I, I try to get better at all the time, uh, is, is being aware to put a little aside. That's a, that's a habit some people have. Uh, some people's financial habit has to do with being a builder. And, you know, I have a cousin like this, my cousin John Womberg. And it's like, these are people who they're always looking for opportunities to make money. They're business-minded. I've met people like that. They see every opportunity as, you know, how can this generate some income? How can we create a business here? How can we build something? And, and I appreciate people like that, man. They expand my perspectives. They make me think. And that's the way some people process things. It becomes an, a habit in someone's mind. How can we build something? And then the other habit people have is givers. I, I want to be a habit of giving. Tithes, offerings, it, it is a habit of mine. I've done it all my life. And I, I like to tell the story, you know, I tithed, I gave, even when I was a backslidden teenager, because I wanted God to bless my beer money, and he did. He got me saved. <laughs> but it's a habit. And, and I, every time I get income, my first thought is, how can I bless the kingdom with this? Now, that doesn't mean some days I, I, I might hesitate just in a moment to think, I don't know. But I've learned to always fall through with God, put him first. It is a habit. I love to be able to just give when I can, I'm looking for ways to be a blessing. Habits pay dividends. And this is the principle of compound interest. This is how a retirement account works. Man, I go work out in the morning at real early, and, and this one girl, she's a school teacher. She teaches math. I said to her, if people are teaching math, why don't they ever teach the principle of compound interest? She said, you know, that's a great question because it, it, it's an amazing uh, financial principle, how, how things can pay out over time. I personally feel that giving to the Lord works that way. I have given to the Lord consistently, and he's brought back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over into my boys. That's called compound interest. So I've given away a couple cars, and you know, the, the one I have now is an old Suburban. I bought it to go camping with because I was in that emotional place of trying to figure out how to go camping. But my mechanic was like, dude, this is a great rig. In fact, it, it, I drove it up Hell Roaring Plateau not once, but twice this last summer. Now, a week ago, the water pump went out. I couldn't figure out what it was. We got oil somewhere. I took it back down to him. You know what he said? We fixed that in March, so we'll fix it for free. Come on. Somebody. So if you need a mechanic, there's a little plug for you. <laughs> He's honest. My point is the car's in great shape. I didn't, it just came to me like that. It's been a great blessing for the season of life that I'm in. And I believe God will give me a better suburban one day. Come on, somebody. Uh, the homes I bought, God has blessed me. He's put me in great spots. I get to live in cul-de-sacs on the west end of buildings. He, he, he's ordered steps. I know his hand has been involved with it. I mean, I, I'm thrilled about that. And by the way, the wife that I have. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I have found a good thing. And all my life, I, I've come from a family of people who tithe, put God first. And I just believe that that's God's blessing. When you are faithful in the small things, God will give you more things. 
It's a little habit you have to get better at and growing. So faithfulness can be quite a test for people. How faithful will you be with what God has given you? Will you make it a habit to put him first? Those are tests. Now, test number 10. And this one, man, this is in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You can go there in your Bibles if you got it. I, I, I really prayed about it. And this is so interesting that this season happened for me right here. So for, for uh, Ecclesiastes 3, to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And I want to highlight particularly the first part of the sixth verse. There is a time to gain. Before you lose things, there's a time to gain. All right? And what this tells me about, this last highlight I want to highlight, is the test of timing. Timing is a test. Someone has said timing is everything. And, you know, t- timing is that particular point, that moment, when something happens in your life. And timing, as you know, is probably one of the most frustrating things you have to go through because it just seems like sometimes you want things to happen on your time, and they don't always happen that way, do they? They don't. So it tests your emotions. It's frustrating. Timing will test your emotions, and I found out if you can master your emotions, you can master the timing of God. Mm. Timing. You know, the book of Galatians chapter 4 reveals how time works. There's what the Bible calls appointed time. God has a time when he speaks something into your life and there's an appointment, a date with destiny he's got for you. And I'll tell you something. I've experienced God speaking to me about a time. And, you know, I was telling you all about, you know, I had the house that that we had and we we had nowhere to go. But I have the Lord tell me that in my heart, you know, just, just get ready, get ready, get ready. I've got something for you. And the way God will speak to me sometimes is in dreams. So we were cleaning up back here in the, in the church to clean up some boxes and, and uh, some, some plastic crates. And I was going to throw them away. And I had a dream that I needed those crates because I was going to be moving. So I, I had this, and Elizabeth was having dreams. We were having this idea that God was going to bless us with a home. And, and, and so, you know, we were just praying, waiting. It was an appointment. And I've had the Lord do that for me. He's given me an appointment. Maybe in your life, he's given you an appointment. Maybe there's something he spoke to you about. That isn't time. It's something that's just, yeah. Now, in Galatians 4, we go from the appointed time to the fullness of time. In the, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. The fullness of time is when that thing that you, God spoke to you happens. And you know, it's a funny thing, man, to, to actually have something like that happen, just like God said. Well, this last month, man, we had that happen. A home came to us. And it was under fairly miraculous circumstances. And, and, you know, the last one I bought was from a hoarder. This one's better. It was animal infested. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. But it came. It was just like we had dreamed about. I mean, the details, it really just an incredible thing. And and it was like, man, I, I stepped into the fullness of time. God said he would do something, and he did it. And that means that he fulfilled his word. Fullness of time. In finances, what they call it is the maturity date. It's a date in which your finances hit their high. It's the, the accruing point. You have enough money to retire on. Your pension is maxed out. It doesn't go beyond that. that, that that's where that happens. That's the fullness of time. And I stepped into that. And then Galatians talks about redeem time. God sent forth his son in the fullness of time to redeem people. This is the place where your purpose comes to pass. God has a purpose for your life. He's got a purpose for the ministry, the family he's got for you. You step into that place. 
And, and so there is a time for God who will bring you into it in the fullness of time. Now, I was listening to a, a man named Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's a British preacher. He said something very interesting. He said the worst thing that can happen to a man is to have success before that man is ready for it. Because when you're dealing with God's timing, it's when he knows you have a moment. And sometimes, as we say, we get so far out ahead of that. Does anyone remember Patricia Heaton on Everyone Loves Raymond? Now, she's a Christian. She said that the greatest thing that happened to her was that she did not have success until her children were teenagers, until they could handle the pressure of that lifestyle. It was like the whole thing for her was a timing thing that worked out. There's a time for God's blessing in your life because what God's timing is, is it's a way of God to protect you. Man, his timing will come in a life and time when you are good and ready for it. But it is a humbling thing sometimes to think that you're ready for something and you're really not in God's eyes. His timing is designed to protect you. To everything, there's a time and a season. There's a time to gain. There's a time of God's favor in your life. I want to give you a couple uh, verses from the book of Proverbs about this. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21, which tells us that an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end because it was not appreciated. It wasn't worked for. It wasn't earned. You know, I was looking at examples of professional athletes. You know, Evander Holyfield made more money than just about anybody else, but had to file for bankruptcy. I was reading about soccer stars in Argentina, made more than anyone else, ended up broke. Because sometimes you get things in your life before you're ready to handle them. I'm telling you, it's a task people have to go through. Timing. Let me give you another verse, Proverbs 13, verse 11. And this one has to do with uh, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. But he who gathers by labor will increase. The, 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 the idea is that success comes as you're doing something consistently over and over and over and over until you get good at it. It becomes a skill. That is when you can appreciate it. That happens in God's timing. And it is a funny thing in the society we live where everyone wants to get rich quick. They want fame immediately. And yet the scriptures teach us the best way for you to accrue wealth is in God's time, slowly and steadily. It comes to you in the right places, in the right time. My, my advice is, don't get ahead of God. The longer you do the right thing without changing, the greater your chances of success. God will bring you into a season of success, and he will fulfill his word and his promises in your life. And I know that because I've just walked through, man. I saw it happen in my life. It was really incredible how God did that. You know, I was thinking about my friend Ted Shuttlesworth. You know, he he, he was here last year, and I'll tell you something very interesting happened to me. Um, <coughs> when he came on the last night, uh, he, he preached, he was preaching, and um, I got lightheaded. I felt, I felt like a weight come on my head. You know, I'm sitting there. I, listen, I'm a charismatic. Just for the record, we, we're spirit-filled people here. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and we embrace them, welcome them. And he might manifest in certain ways. I, I've had moments where you pray for people, and they might get slain in the Spirit. The, the Lord's power overwhelms people, knocks them down. Now, I've been to a lot of services like that. Um, I don't do courtesy drops for people because I've been to too many of them where people fall down and nothing happens. But I have had the genuine, the deeper, not the cheaper. We'll say it like that. And I felt a, a weight come on me. I got lightheaded, man. And then my hands got hot. You know, I, I, And in that moment, as I was saying, I perceived something. I perceived the blessing of the Lord. 
in my life. I've had him visit me in moments like that. I remember one time I went for a walk around the subdivision with him, and, and it was like, man, I just felt like the path of the just is like the shining of the sun that shines brighter under the perfect day. I felt God's blessing. And the reason I put this series together, and I'm going to develop it later over time, I'm just giving you a little highlights here with it, is because I, I feel like God is blessing me. And to get to that place, I've had to go through certain things and learn them. And I feel like God is going to bless you in this church. I feel like he's, you know, got a building paid off here. We get to be a blessing with missions. We get to help orphans, widows. Man, that is a blessing. And, and so I, I feel the sense of God's blessing right up, right up here with us. And I, I'm on a journey of God's favor and blessing. You're on a journey with us. I believe God is going to bless you in the next season of life when the world's going through chaos. The blessing of the Lord is in this life. The reason for a test is so you can go to the next level. And I believe that's what God wants for you. I believe that's what he wants for me. So I don't know what tests you're facing. I don't know which of these things that we walk through. That, that I'm sure there's many of them, but there might be one specifically in your life right now. For me, I walked through those things. That last one on timing was so significant in my life. It taught me about God's faithfulness. Maybe you're faced in the moment of like, I feel like I have to work hard for everything and I don't trust that God will be there with me to take care of me. I've met people like that. They think God is against them and not for them. That's a test. Or it could be tithing. Putting God first with what you have and finding out how faithful, how good he is, that he will see you through everything. It's a supernatural thing. Maybe you put your trust in money. You're way too caught up with your bank accounts and your 401k and how much you have in there. And that's what you hold on to for security. It could be honesty. I meet people who simply lie about money. I hate to break it to you. They might be sitting here in this room. You got to be honest with yourself, with money. It could be about mercy and forgiving people. When you harbor bitterness and unforgiveness because you think someone wronged you, it's going to stop God's blessing in your life. It will just come to an end right there. And the best way to live is without strings attached to people. I'm telling you, that, that is a test people go through. Because you know what it does? It stirs your emotions. And emotions are a test, aren't they? You want this, you want that, and you have to say no to yourself, and it is not fun. It's called emotions. It's also called maturity. Gratitude is a test. How appreciative and grateful will you be? Man, I had to work through that one. Take me years, years to get my head on straight about that. Stewardship. How will you manage what God has given you? Will you be faithful with little things? Will you do the, the, that little habit over and over and over until it's just automatic? And of course, timing. Man, the timing of God. If you can master that, boy, you can step in his plan. I just feel like God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. I want you to stand up with me right now. And I, I, feel, I feel the Lord's blessing in your life. I would love to lay hands on every single person here. I want to pray for anybody who's looking for the God's favor if you want to increase in finance. In fact, I feel the Lord here right now. I'm just going to have, I feel, I feel his presence. I don't know what situations you're faced with, finances and things you're dealing with. I, I know that it's a test for many people and I can't help but feel that the Lord is going to bring you into deliverance and blessing. That doesn't mean there'll be tests and trials and difficulty along the way. You don't hear what I'm saying. I just know that God knows how to get you through that. He knows. I'll tell you this. I was, I was praying this last year. I went through a real tight spot. I prayed in here. And the Lord put it on my heart. It was going to be all right. And he did that. He's faithful. Mm. 
easy, not hard. So I do want to pray that. I want to pray that. Um, now, I have my friend Debbie over here. Debbie's got to go back to Boston. She's, she's praying about some things. She's a woman in need. And I just want to pray. Would you reach your hand? She needs some provision. So reach your hand over here to Debbie. Father, in Jesus' name, we're praying over her health. Father, her family, her peace. And Lord, I just pray right now. God, I thank you for making a way, providing. I, I feel the peace of the Lord. I pray peace over you. I pray provision in the name of Jesus for travels. Lord, I just thank you for putting the right thing ahead of her, the right, the right, the right people, the right plan, and provision. I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray over in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I, I love you, and I want to remind you of this. And I want, to, if you want prayer, I want to pray. For, I tell you, I feel the Lord. And if, if you want, you know, if you the Lord's blessing, I want to pray over you. Um, I want to remind you what Peter said: You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Ain't no amount of money save your soul. You're redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. There are things more valuable than money, like Jesus' blood. And they paid for your, your soul, man. So, I feel the anointing on me. I feel God's blessing. I would love to pray for you. If you want prayer this morning for financial, maybe you're like, I'm good right now. Come pray anyway. I feel the Lord's hand. So I'm just going to have people line up to the front all the way across. If you got to go, get your kids, man. We love you. We'll catch you. But I do want to pray, man. I feel the Lord's hand. So if I could get people just stay down here to line up on the front, I want to pray with you. I, people that have been in tests, people in difficult spots, I want to pray. So just come on down. I'd love to lay hands on everybody. I feel the Lord. I feel his presence. We could get some music kicked on and the rest of y'all. I love you all very much. Come out on the 27th, bring friends with you. But I do want to pray the blessing of the Lord that makes people it makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. I feel it here in Jesus' name. If I can get some uh, worship music on, that'd be great. Come on down. I want to pray with you.